0: Her beauty shimmers with the light of a new star, but she is the other. Touch her, and you will know death. You to Drive Back the Night, an Andromeda series podcast. I'm Ethan Maestri. And I'm Ryan Mazako. Each episode, we take an episode of Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda, and we analyze it for the things that we like, that we dislike, that we learn, that we love about our Andromeda universe. This week, Ryan, it's episode 79, The Others. And I gotta tell you, I'm excited to get into this. Do you hear that? Yeah, yeah, I do hear that. Can you make out what that is? What's going on here? You know, I,
1: I actually think I do know what's going on here. Uh, what, what did you say the name of this episode was? Oh, the others. Yeah. What's the name of one of our characters? Locke. Yeah. Hey,
0: uh, hey, guys, guys, can, can hold on. Can you want to explain this to them?
1: Yeah, this is not an episode of Lost. This is an episode of Andromeda. So, I'm very sorry we don't need you. <sighs> Thank you. Okay, exit
0: out. Boy, they sounded Man, disappointed, didn't they? A little disgruntled. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, wrong show. This is this is not the Lost podcast. That's <laughs> It's about ten years too late. course this one's about 15 years but uh (laughs) whatever
1: well maybe we'll have him back in another seven or eight there you go there
0: you go episode 79 ryan the others tell you what why don't i just go ahead and get us right going here with some trivia what do you say i say that's great trivia for the others uh, this was uh, Peter Deloise returning to direct this episode, uh, and if that Deloise sounds familiar, as a, as in a famous Dom Deloise, yes, that is the same one. We have talked about Peter Deloise and his famous father. He's the same one, episode. yeah. Dom Deloise was was Peter Deloise's father. Oh, they're not the same person. Not the same person, no. Oh, okay. But uh, in, in any case, Peter Deloise returns to direct this episode. The episode was written by Scott Frost. Now, this is the first of two stories that he is going to write for the series. The other is coming in Season 5. Previous to Andromeda, he had a limited number of writing credits for shows like Twin Peaks and Babylon 5. Interestingly, though, after Andromeda, he appears to have taken a very long break from television writing. That is until 2021, in which his writing credits pick up again with an episode of SOZ, or Soldados o Zombies. So... Scott Frost, everyone. Our now, ad- see, it's a good no. thing, then, that uh,
1: we didn't wrap this up years ago when we were scheduled to, because we never would have we had never that v- credit.
0: <laughs> so, so what you're saying is our long in-betweens of episodes here is actually working to our advantage, working to trivia's we're, advantage. Yeah, it, it is. is. We're giving people
1: more time to get more credits on their IMDB page, and uh, we can... Continue to shout those out.
0: There's a silver lining to every dark Mm -hmm. cloud, and you have just found the one for trivia. Thank you, Ryan.
1: Yep, no problem. That's what I'm here for.
0: Our guest actors for this episode, Tom Heaton plays Dr. Cracks Q. Now, this gentleman began his acting career in the 1960s with appearances in a variety of Western shows and movies. He would continue to get character and bit roles in television and film throughout the 70s and 80s. In the 90s, he would appear in such staples as The X-Files, Sliders, Highlander, and, say it with me, Ryan, The Commish. The Commish. Yeah. Those smaller bit roles would continue for him throughout the 2000s, as well, with appearances in films like Shanghai Noon, Reindeer Games, and James Gunn's Slither. Sadly, though, we lost Mr. Heaton. He died in 2018 at the age of 77. The Female Lieutenant uh, is played by Jean Coulter or Clo- Clotier Clotier Clotier. I don't know my French, Ryan. So I know I'm botching that name, but Hey, I've listened to people botch my name for years. So turnabout is fair play. Same. Yes, absolutely. Jeannie Clotier. We'll go with that. Uh, this is an early role for her in what would be a busy debut year. That being 2004, the same year this episode aired, uh, In that same year of 2004, she appeared in six other television series, including Da Vinci's Inquest and The Dead Zone, and the miniseries Human Cargo. She has continued to find work down to today with appearances in the Arrow series, in Debris, and even a small role in the recent Sonic the Hedgehog movie, a rather humorous scene as uh, the two main characters are trying to enter into an elevator with Sonic in a duffel bag. She is actually the businesswoman that asks if they have a kid in there, <laughs> which I, stands out to me very plainly because I just watched it last weekend with my son. So, Sonic the Hedgehog, everybody. Check it out if you haven't already. Peter Wingfield plays Locke. He is a working actor, has been since the early 1990s, and he's another one of those that guy actors that you've seen in a number of television and movie projects. In the late 90s, Adam Pearson, he played Adam Pearson in the Highlander series. He played Tanith in Stargate SG-1. After Andromeda, he would go on to appear in series like Medium, 24, Caprica, and Alphas. He played the role of Richard Burton in Robert Hewitt Wolfe's Riverworld TV movie. So, Peter Wingfield. Candace McClure, she plays Zara in this episode. Candace was born in South Africa, but is now a well-recognized actress in television and film today. She has roles in The Outer Limits, Dark Angel, Jeremiah, The Twilight Zone, Smallville, Alphas, Supernatural, The Flash, just to name a few in genre. You can currently see her as the Guardian in the most recent iteration of the Charmed television series. But... I remember her most notably from her shocking exit from the Battlestar Galactica series where she had held down the role of Lieutenant Anastasia Duwala. So that is Candace McClure, everyone. And then one final thing I was going to bring up here in trivia. I found a reference to a work by Friedrich Nietzsche that is referenced along with this episode. I found it in a couple of places. He wrote a, a, an editor, uh, not an editorial, uh, an essay. Um, called The Gay Science, and in a section titled We Fearless Ones, Nietzsche has the saying, a distinguished intellect and taste. When it wants to communicate its thoughts, always selects its hearers. By selecting them, it at the same time closes its barriers against the others. And so that is uh, frequently referenced as being associated with this episode, or at least an inspiration of this episode, and I, I didn't fully—I wasn't fully able to wrap my head around uh, Nietzsche's philosophy here and the idea that he was expressing. So I did reach out to our uh, friend of the show, David, our Nietzschean friend in Alaska, and uh, he tried to get a little clarity because he is a a student of uh, Nietzsche. And actually has his own podcast, so go check that out. Um, But uh, he tried to give me a little bit more context. He kind of tries to point us in the right direction with this. He does say that, and this is him saying, this is my take on this. Nietzsche often said that he was not writing for the masses, but for those that would follow and understand his work without having to make long, detailed instructions on what he meant. Uh, He is saying that not all books were written for all readers. What often messes up readers of Nietzsche's work is his style. He expects the reader to come to an understanding on their own. How this applies to the episode, he wasn't sure. But with reference to the others, uh, I think the delineation is somewhat clear here. Um, It sounds to me as if Nietzsche is saying, uh, you will select your audience and it will exclude others that aren't even willing to listen to you to begin with. So... That's, yeah, I, that's what I gathered here.
1: I saw that reference too, and that's kind of what I was thinking. It's 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 very uh, preaching to the choir. Yes, and you're going to continue to do that because those are the people, or you're going to be part of that choir and continue to is it's that it's that positive feedback that uh, confirmation bias, I guess. There you go. Ah, that excellent that term. For everyone it. is susceptible to yes, even you, listener even me <laughs> yes, and <laughs> you, Ethan.
0: Yeah. But, uh, indeed. indeed. Yeah. And so, cause there's a so ton of that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Sorry, So yeah. yeah, we all, we all pick our echo chambers. Um, mm-hmm. so anyway, David, thank you very much for getting back with me on that and kind of pointing me in the right direction. And, uh, I, I failed to look up the podcast. I will endeavor to find it again, uh, and, and put it in the show notes so that people can, uh, can go out and find his podcast, which uh, discusses uh, some of the philosophy of Frederick Nietzsche. Uh, And that's what I've got for trivia. Ryan, you have a summary for the others. I do.
1: We open with our crew, relaxing on the command deck, eating popcorn, cracking wise, and watching an earlier episode of Andromeda, when suddenly they detect two ships, both of which are badly damaged, out of fuel, and contain a single occupant each of which are asking for assistance as well as the prompt destruction of the other ship. Dylan orders them both on board to separate hangar bays. Aboard their ships, respectively, is General Locke and Zara, representatives of rival warring races from the planet Trillin, which has been at war for some 10,000 years. Each blames the other for starting and perpetuating the war and will stop at nothing until the other side is annihilated. Locke is sporting a nasty rash visible on his face and neck. He accuses Zara of biological warfare crimes, resulting in the disease that causes the rash and ensuing death of his people. Dylan decides to put the pair in the same room, which results in the inevitable scuffle. As Dylan intercedes in the altercation, Locke goes all Dracula on him and infects Dylan with the disease, for which there is no cure. And affects Dylan at a much faster rate because of his heavy worlder metabolism. Becca, Harper, and Rade head Planet Side with their guests to try to track down a cure for the disease. On the way down, they discover a needlessly high wall, which each side takes credit for creating. Misunderstandings arise, hostages are taken, slip fighters are stolen, and an air battle begins, leading to the near complete destruction of Zara's race, save for some great last second shooting by Rade. Dylan sends a security force down to the planet, where they surround them all, and Rade orders a ceasefire, to which both sides reluctantly comply. Back on the Andromeda, Dylan and Trance have figured out that the disease was the result of the two groups separating all those generations ago, leaving them genetically vulnerable. She proves it with some computer models, and uses Locke and Zara's blood to create a cure for Dylan. The disease spreads just like hate, and love is the only cure. The reinvigorated Dylan destroys the wall, separating the feuding factions, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. The end.
0: All right, Ryan. Excellent. Excellent job. And oddly enough, to my ear, did not sound plagiarized at all. Well, I would hope not. Because it wasn't. (laughs)
1: That's right. Even
0: though you were fretting over doing the summary, and I suggested you do so. But you, didn't. Yeah. you did you did you nope. did not take the easy way out. Good for you, sir I, I have more integrity than that. Excellent, sir. excellent. We love love to hear that. So, Ryan, I'm gonna start us off here with a scenario. If you were on the planet that was in this episode and you watched this episode of Andromeda on a streaming service, name name one of your choice. Mm-hmm. Could you then say you were Netflix and Trillin? Oh, okay. You see what I did there. Yeah, I do. But
1: um I like that. Out of the gate. <laughs> Here we go. Speaking of watching this episode of Andromeda on Andromeda, um, so we start there at the beginning with this this 3D extrapolation from the sensors that harper is able to recreate yeah right the problem i have that with this though is that hey harper why don't you take it to the next level why are we watching this 3d extrapolation on a 2d
0: screen <laughs> 2D screen yeah they have hologram technology do absolutely they, not? they do we've, yeah. we've, we've we have seen it right they even have vr goggles somewhere on that on that command deck uh just it could have been so much better harper it could have been but it wasn't and no. it, you know if if you go the vr route um, it's hard to eat popcorn that way, you know, so I, I can understand that. But yes, the holographic projectors would have been perfect for that mm-hmm. and, and feels like a missed opportunity.
1: VR just gives me a headache.
0: Me too. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, Becca says, just once, I'd like to rescue an ugly woman. Uh, it does seem to be. Let's just talk about this show and the production of this show week mm-hmm. after week if we have a guest actress she's usually just drop dead gorgeous and props to the show for recognizing the um the fact that the the, the population of the galaxy seems to be beating the law of averages <laughs> is that is that politically correct to say say it that way i don't know if
1: it is or not but i'm right there with you okay yeah i just thought it was funny the,
0: the, i i i appreciated the uh, breaking the fourth wall just a little bit in in making that statement.
1: Oh yeah, I, I wrote down the same thing. Let's just acknowledge that that this is what we're doing here. Um, just the awareness, yeah. I guess you could say that there the show go. has of itself, yeah.
0: At this point, now is that going to change casting decisions going forward? Probably not. <laughs> but you know, there it is.
1: Yeah. Well, it's it's just funny because. I was thinking the same thing before Becca said the words <laughs> <laughs> yeah because it, it's because it's something that like you say it just ha- it keeps happening over and over and over again. We understand why it happens real world but in world it's just like do,
0: why? seriously yeah
1: why are they all so beautiful yes yeah. so so props to Becca and props to uh, whoever decided to let that line stay in. Uh, hey, I have a question. Okay. You're very into uh, wardrobe and makeup and things like that a lot more than I am generally. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, something I noticed, though, I wanted to ask and get your take. Was Trance wearing considerably more glitter than usual in this episode?
0: You know, I, I, it's interesting because there were a couple of scenes, and I don't know if it was lighting. Or if it was the actual makeup. But you are absolutely right. There is way more twinkly going on Mm -hmm. in a few scenes. And and I'm... I'm, I I was watching it on my screen thinking... Somebody's got a light in just the right spot. At just the right camera angle. So it looks like there's way more going on than usual.
1: Well, you say in a few scenes. I would take that a little further and say in a few shots. Yeah. Because even different shots within the same scene, I think just the way everything happened to be set up for that particular shot, mm-hmm. there was definitely way more
0: glitter Seemed visible. Like the, yeah, <laughs> and so so I'm thinking it's light, but you could be you could be onto something. It could be uh, maybe they had to switch to a new bottle or something, and the <laughs> the glitter count was <laughs> parts per million was way higher. <laughs> yeah. It's a distinct possibility. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it's interesting you bring that up because I saw it but did not write it down. So, there you go. Uh, I have have a question for you, Ryan. Okay. You know, follow me around the room. I'm going to set the scene up for you. Okay. Do I need to close my eyes? Uh, If you want to, go right ahead. Nobody's watching you, so... (laughs) Except me. But uh, in any case, uh, the guy, as he's arrested, Locke, uh, Mm -hmm. is visibly upset that Dylan's not being cooperative when he's first brought on board, right? And ends up raising his voice and pointing his finger at Dylan, right? This initiates... All Harrison Ford style. Oh, yeah, all Harrison Ford style, exactly. Okay. Get off my plane. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Rade then proceeds to beat this man senseless, dropping him to the ground. And then Dylan has him thrown into the brig. Now, I ask you... What law was broken by this man just raising his voice and pointing his finger that warranted a beatdown and a, a night in the brig?
1: Uh, I could be wrong, but I thought he threw the first
0: elbow. I don't believe so. I I If if I remember the tape correctly, and we may have to go back to the tape, but I don't well, believe he ever threw a punch or, or made a movement of any any kind other than pointing the finger.
1: I think it depends. Maybe if you watch the original, he threw the first punch. But if you're watching the special edition.
0: Lock shot first. <laughs> is yeah. That, is this what we're referencing? I love it. I love the idea of it. Let's just go without his headcanon. Okay. This is somehow the director's edition Okay, that, that I watched and you saw the original. <laughs> yeah maybe okay all right well it could be i could be misremembering but that soothes my conscience and i don't feel so bad about rade's seeming overreaction then okay moving on so i just want to say
1: to becca and rade assume nothing when the captain is falling to the ground right in front of you yeah like they have to have that back and forth i thought you were going to get him i thought you were going to doesn't matter just get him just get him what why why
0: are we why are we trying to pin blame here what if he'd have busted his head on the deck? I kind of think he did. Because <laughs> yeah. he went down hard. Yeah. He went down hard. And they just stared at each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Watched it happen. Yeah. Uh, unfortunate. Very unfortunate. Um, Trance. Let's talk about Laura Bertram for just a second. Laura Bertram delivers techno babble. I, I would love to have seen her in the in a, in the heyday of the days of Star Trek. She could have been an engineer or a medical doctor on the Enterprise or D Space Nine or Voyager for that matter, um, because she delivers several lines of medical jargon and doesn't miss a beat and sounds like she actually knows exactly what she's talking about, even though it's totally not accurate (laughs) it's not scientifically accurate because you know it's not a virus it's not a pathogen it's not she doesn't know what it is but she tries to explain what it is and and does a really convincing job of it and i just have to give props to laura bertram for her delivery uh, of those lines i thought it was quite good and a little bit further on her delivery she does have the line later on when her and dylan are talking about the historical documents, the the chronicles, whatever they are, and she she does make the comment, "How can living creatures treat each other like that?" And Dylan responds, "They always manage to find a reason." And as silly as this show has really become, and as you and I have acknowledged, there this is why we continue to enjoy this show is because it has these very real moments like this, where it actually. Without being bonk bonk on the head, although I guess you could kind of say it is a little bonk bonk on the head, but it does make a very poignant point, and I thought that was—I actually really enjoyed that scene between Laura Bertram and uh, Kevin Sorbo.
1: You know, we use that expression a lot, but is bonk bonk on the head really always that bad? Not because if we
0: continue to not learn the lesson. That's I guess gonna, not.
1: I was going to say because <laughs> people still aren't getting it.
0: Yeah, you're right. You're so, right. Yeah. So sometimes you need this just absolute not couching it in anything, not sugarcoating it in anything. This is uh, this is a lesson we we want to learn that we need to learn. And uh, it's sad that it's uh, still not been learned. And then one one final thing uh, still on the subject of trance. i pretty sure that the FDA would not approve of trance's cure just going to say that i think the science seemed a little weak don't you think and, well, and the process I mean, of uh, creating the cure let's just take yeah, blood from I mean, here and take blood from here and we shake it up a little bit and then we'll just inject it in another human being this is this is what we
1: do in a pinch but you know i think as far as for for mass distribution there's probably going to have some have to be some more trials <laughs> yeah a lot
0: more yeah. trials uh, mm. not uh, 30 seconds of observation yeah. And then hey, but, you know. But like Dylan said, what have I got to lose? That's true. That's true. He was going to die anyway. Yeah, he certainly wasn't going back to Terrazed. No. Props to him for no. acknowledging that. But we'll get to that in a second. He, hey, okay. I think that does it for our observations. Let's move on to what we learned about our universe of Andromeda. What do you say?
1: All right. So, I guess we learned some things about Dylan. We could start there. Okay. So, Dylan Because he is a heavy worlder, he has a faster metabolism. And because he has a faster metabolism, pathogens or viruses or whatever it is that causes illness goes through his body faster. So his diseases would advance more quickly. Yeah. Okay. So I did have a note here. I was going to mention earlier, but I decided to save it for this because really it's part of this discussion. Um, Dylan went from 60 to zero real quick. <laughs> yes. Yes, he did. Uh, and I mean real quick. Yeah. We we see all these other people on the planet and yeah, they've got it and it's progressing, but they're they're doing just fine. We've got this guy who has been... Chasing Zara for who knows how long. We don't
0: really know how long, do we? Yeah, but and and it I seems like talk he's been about... gone
1: for a while. Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. They they were really excited to see him, as if he had been away for many many moons. Hmm. Anyway, sorry.
1: Yeah. Well, and but that's he's but he's doing fine.
0: Yeah. Um, he's not fine. Well, I, sh- I don't want to make the light of case it. Case of eczema.
1: Yeah. 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 Um. Dylan, within hours, is on death's doorstep. hmm I worry about Dylan because is it like this for everything that he catches?
0: Yeah. Why is he not wearing a mask at all times on the ship? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and give that man extra sick days because he's going to need them. Yeah. No, I hear you. Uh, because I hear you. Because I did love that scene where... Uh, Rami standing there in front of him and he and he's trying to give orders on the ship and this is how long has it been since he was bitten like not even an hour mm-hmm. and there he there he is on the bridge or on the the command deck uh, trying to give orders and Rami just puts her finger on his chest <laughs> and <just> bowls him <laughs> over you know it, it was comical mm-hmm. but yeah I, I see what I see what you're getting at there uh, if your metabolism is that fast then what happens when he catches the common cold mm-hmm. I mean that's Yeah, women often say men are the worst when it comes to cold and flu. We are the worst to deal with because we can't handle it. Um, Crank that to 11 with Dylan. (laughs) (laughs) But
1: then also on the backside of that, once Trance does give him this miracle Dr. McCoy cure, it's an almost... Oh, it's an almost instant
0: cure. Oh, yeah, it's instant I mean, we see it before our eyes, the rash disappearing. Yeah. It only took there two were, cutaways for him to be completely yeah. cured.
1: Yeah. You know, when, when it started to fade and then they did the cutaway and I was expecting to come back to him and it was going to be completely gone. Uh, no, it was actually still there. Not quite. and yeah. And it looked like it maybe had regressed just a little bit. I don't know if they had the the red filter on just a little bit too much. But, uh, but then, yeah, then it does. It goes away. It took a little longer than I would think, you know, for this type of uh, end of the show miracle instant cure. Um, but still, too fast. It took him several hours to get this sick, right? So I would expect it to take just as long. For him to
0: get well. Yeah, well, considering... Okay, so we think about this, and here we are being nerds about this sort of thing. But from the point of injection, how long does it take for for what's injected to basically saturate his body? Because it has to saturate his body before he starts to get the effects of it. And I don't know... Yes, he probably has a faster circulatory system than you or I would... But, um, yeah, it, it, the whole scene is a total of less than a minute, right? Mm-hmm. From the time he's injected to the time he is fresh-skinned, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not a doctor. I've never played one on TV. But that's one thing that's always really fascinated me is just how quickly any sort of substance can just get into your entire system from an injection, um, if you, you I, like, I've I've had um I've had a surgery before where I had to be put under uh, general anesthesia,
0: and what number did you they, get to before you were out? I
1: think ninety eight. Okay,
0: I think I I had to count yeah. backwards from ten, and I think I might have formed the nine on my lips, and I was out. So. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So I mean, and I don't, I don't completely understand the science behind it. I don't know why some something can be injected into your arm and just get through your entire system that quickly. Mm-hmm. But I think just even from modern medicine, we can see that it does. It does act quickly. Yes. Yeah.
0: But but the skin clearing, I feel mm. like that's going to hang around for a day or two. Don't you?
1: Yeah. I. Maybe it's because we don't quite understand what the disease is. That's we true, because it's not a virus. It's not a, yeah, not a bacteria. We don't quite understand what it is about Zara's people
0: that counteracts this whatever true. it is. Mm-hmm. So, Well, I think we know what the difference is. The okay. Northerners are dry-skinned. The Southerners are oily-skinned. That's got to okay. be it. That's got to be okay. the solution. And that's why the skin okay. reacts the way it does. Huh. That's that's my. There you go.
1: And eventually kills you. It eventually
0: kills you. Yes. Yeah. Man, I've learned so much. I need to get some lotion. Yeah. That real. Quick. That's the lesson of this of this episode, everyone. Lotion up. Keep yeah. keep hydrated internally. Keep that skin and externally.
1: moisturized. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's the, it's but the don't secret. don't drink the lotion though. Don't drink the lotion. Absolutely. <laughs> that's not how <laughs> that works. Absolutely not and and if you have a virus don't drink bleach water either but anyway uh can we talk about trillin yeah so our crew they're chilling on trillin um mm-hmm. i can't pass that up i have to go there <laughs> uh what do we learn about this place uh, a war from over a millennia ago uh these people are ruthless warriors. And have not had contact with the Commonwealth in quite some time, many centuries. Did you say you say over a millennia. Uh, yeah, that was the I had I had ten thousand years. That would be over a millennia ago. Yeah, quite a bit. <laughs> over, quite a bit. Yeah. Over, <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. So so, um, and then we have um disease warfare. Why didn't they call it biological warfare? I don't know. I called it biological warfare. You did summary, too. Though. Okay, yeah, because yeah. I I self corrected my own mind, but they did repeat disease warfare, so it seemed like they were purposefully trying to avoid the bad word. But yeah, uh,
1: yeah, probably it was a little too topical. What, yeah. what was this? This would have been what two thousand four, yeah. late two thousand three, mm-hmm. at the early, the at the latest. Yeah, two thousand four. Yeah. Okay, there were some things
0: going on in the world at the time. Yeah. Yeah, there were, and I guess you do have to keep that in mind. Uh, very uh, prodigious wall builders, I, I would yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, as as a result of being prodigious wall builders, uh, 5,000 years separated by the wall is what I gathered from this episode as well. Mm-hmm. And so, the disease had time to have its effect. So, an interesting people here on Trillium. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. thoughts and observations that you found?
1: I do. Um, so I did want to talk about the wall just a little bit because we see this as we break through the, the fog or the smoke, whatever it is that they have to get through. And suddenly we see, we see this wall that is going all the way up through the tops of the clouds. This wall, my thought on this wall was, I mean, this is a massive wall. But either this wall was too high or not high enough because it's so high that nobody's going to scale this wall. No one's even going to attempt to scale this wall, right? Mm -hmm. But it's also not high enough because they do have aircraft technology, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they can fly over it. They're just not going to climb over it. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why it is so spectacularly tall.
0: Yeah. No, I, I, I hear you. But if you listen to Locke describing the wall, he's very proud of it. I mean, it is a monument. It's more a monument than an actual physical obstruction. Um, but, yeah, you bring up an excellent, an excellent point. They had fighter craft. They could fly right over it and bomb mm-hmm. the other... The other camp, which brings me to my point of why did they have to steal a slip fighter to launch this attack? Looked like they had enough fighters capable of carrying the drum bombs already. I I, I failed to see why the slip fighter turned the tide of this war in their favor. <sighs>
1: Honestly, the only thing I've got here is just plot.
0: Because oh, we have to have a reason. You've turned you've turned the tables on me. Oh my! How the turntables are.
1: <laughs> because we have to have some reason for tension to build on the other side, yeah. and for Zara to suspect Andromeda's crew of uh, double crossing them because they see a slip fighter with their other fighters and another one on the way. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I mean, And maybe, who knows, maybe they did have uh, seven fighter pilots, but they only had six fighters. So they had to steal one, that way they could get everybody going. Yeah, okay. That's they were like, hey, point. now's our chance. Look,
0: six isn't going to do it, but with seven, we got a good shot. Yeah, but what they weren't counting on was the Southerners having a sweet gunship. Yeah. And can we talk about that? I, I genuinely loved the starship design, the the, the the little gunboat, gunship, whatever that thing was that, uh, that uh, Zara was flying with her crew, uh, you know, I, I will say this, Andromeda is a unique vessel, but I would not put it in my top 10 of favorite designs, okay? I just, I wouldn't, because it's too unconventional. Now, I have grown to love the shape of that ship and some of the design aesthetics of the Commonwealth ships in watching the show. And, and getting used to that design element. It's been rare that there has been a design presented in this series that has made me think, wow, I would I would fly that. I would want to fly that. I definitely don't think that about the Maru when I see it. I don't understand <laughs> Becca's love for it at all. But when I saw that ship on screen, I was like, I would I would own that. That looks like a ship that I would seek out and and purchase and do smuggling runs or whatever I felt like doing in that galaxy. Uh, genuinely like that design. Yeah. Yeah. It was a cool ship back to the wall. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Sidetrack. Um, but yeah. Uh, so, so squirrel. yeah, squirrel, <laughs> uh, but yeah, a wall. Interesting. Uh, they seem to be very proud of it. Uh, didn't seem to do much by way of actually keeping the two sides separated though.
1: Well, I mean it, it, It does. If nothing else, it's at least symbolic. I mean, we've seen this sort of thing in throughout history, but even in more recent modern history, I should say, Um, you know, and when there, there, you have these walls that are up and usually you're going to have guards stationed there to make sure that uh, enemies don't come in to invade or even more even more likely, so that uh, defectors don't get away. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so, I mean, I do understand the reason for having a wall, even if it's not um, something that you can't fly over. Because, look, we're capable of space travel. True. There's no wall tall enough to keep an enemy out. True. From going over, oh. right? You just want to keep anyone from being able to go through. Yeah. And if they do try, then you shoot them, right? That's, yep. that's what we
0: do. Yeah. Um, no, and, and you're absolutely right. It's, it's proved to be effective. We've seen, we have an example today. I think of the, the border between North and South Korea. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. I mean, occasionally someone gets across, but for the most part, it does a very good job deterring people from coming across that are, aren't supposed to. Um, the Berlin wall, that was another prime example. Uh, and and not a very mm-hmm. tall wall, but it was yeah. quite effective uh, with the amount of presence that was on mm-hmm. it, uh, keeping people from going across that shouldn't. So, yeah, hey, you know, there is precedent right. for it. Yeah. And a plane's going to fly right over both of those walls.
1: Exactly. Yeah, true. It's probably going to get shot down, but a plane's going to fly right over those walls. Yeah. And... That's not really what we're trying to do, though. Yeah, and so that's just that's
0: just why I say it's either so, too high or not high enough. Yeah, and I'm, I'm I'm now I'm thinking about it, and I'm I'm wanting to ask the same question. I mean, that thing is big. Yeah, big. Who paid for that? Uh, the other side. Okay. Wait, yeah. Is that why they went to war? Probably. <laughs> Interesting. An interesting was that thought in, there.
1: Was that in the historical documents? I don't know the if that was historical documents.
0: <laughs> I, I know every time they t- something <laughs> chronicles, I'm like, well, it's probably a good thing they didn't say the historical documents. Although they did early on, didn't they? Yeah, I think uh, so. I think yeah. you're right. So mm-hmm. I, I was hearing uh, a little bit of Galaxy Quest in that.
1: Mm-hmm. So one last thing about the wall. Okay, and I alluded to it in my summary. So before they leave this planet to go off somewhere else and never come back here again, Dylan takes it upon himself to just completely obliterate this wall.
0: Uh He doesn't even very do the, Captain- He doesn't even do the Reagan thing. Yeah. He doesn't even <laughs> say, Mr. Locke, tear down this wall. <laughs> I was looking for a way to bring that into it, and I was like, I don't know. Is it no,
1: yes, you did it well. Um, but I will say, very Captain Kirk of him.
0: Oh, yes. Straight out of the Captain Kirk playbook.
1: Yeah. So, just so many things wrong with this, the way I see it. Okay. So, first of all, he, without telling anybody... Not even his own crew. <laughs> so you know the people on the planet have no idea what's coming. Mm-hmm. He just drops all these bombs on this wall and just completely obliterates it. What if people were stationed yeah, along what? that wall? What if there there's were just janitors debris? in there,
0: just keeping it yeah. clean? Yeah,
1: yeah. You know, there's, there's got to be maintenance. They Has complained to be. about that. Has yeah. to be. Yeah. Um, careless is what I think. Just very, very careless. Just
0: downright irresponsible.
1: Yeah, you don't, you don't, a demolition crew doesn't come in and knock down a building without telling everybody around it first. (laughs) Yes. They rope the whole area off. Yeah. And they guard it because you you don't want people around when massive structures are collapsing.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, the, the more and you're talking about this, the more I'm realizing this is this is actually like crimes against humanity or crimes this against the is, trilogy. This
1: is one of the worst things I've ever seen Dylan Hunt do. <laughs> you're right. We're, you know, I'm also comparing this to a controlled demolition. Yeah, he just throws bombs <laughs> at this thing, right? When you collapse a building, they do it in a way that it is designed to implode on itself.
0: Yeah, right where is all the debris going on yeah, this thing? Uh, I'm sitting there thinking, she just... basically vaporized it. Well, all of that vapor and dust has to go somewhere pretty much into their atmosphere. So is that the thing for the next hundred years? <laughs> the trillions are getting better from their, their disease as they're intermingling once more, <laughs> but, but they have lung cancer for the next hundred years uh, because of uh, all of the wall dust that's in the air.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah wow uh so there's there's the the health and safety issue of it Mm -hmm. but also let's not forget about the other very captain kirk thing he did was well here's how i think it should be good luck yeah bye um now this thing that was separating these warring people was this wall it is now gone (laughs) so we saw what happened with Locke and zara when they were left in the room As the door was
0: closing, yes.
1: Yeah, because there's that moment where it's like, okay, they've received this news, they have this new understanding, and then they're left alone. So, first of all, that shouldn't have happened. They're they're still, they should still be seen as uh, being adversarial toward each other.
0: But they're left alone in a room, and we see what
1: happens. Immediately, they go at each other's throats.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but see what happened, Ryan, was Dylan played his uh, ultimate trump card by saying love has to win out, and and by saying that that means it's all going to be fine. It's all they're they're going to figure it out.
1: Yeah, but by saying that love has to win out, that's saying that that's that is a that is that's a declarative, not an imperative.
0: Yes. Okay. You're right.
1: He is saying love has to win out. Yeah. Not commanding that love has to win out. Right. It's it's if we want this all to work out, then love has to win out. But so far it's not. Yeah. So instead what we are going to have is mass casualties and death on this planet. Everyone who was not killed, maimed or injured by any falling debris from this wall is now going to be an able-bodied soldier
0: with nothing in between them and the enemy. Yeah. So when he says I'm going to give them a head start, uh Dylan May have thought a head start in coming together as a as a as a race, right? But what actually is happening is he was giving a a, a head start at their own destruction. Their ultimate destruction. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. I think I think you have uh, hit the nail on the head with that. So, an interesting people. Uh, sorry about them. Yeah. Too, too bad. Bless their hearts. Um. <laughs> There's going to be a, a fun
1: little footnote on the yeah. on the galaxies. Yeah. History books.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The uh, the Perseids will have fun cataloging those ruins. Right. At some point. Hey, a Perseid walks
1: into a bar. The bartender says, "Why the long face?" Oh, uh, yeah. What was the blue joke? Uh, yeah. He said, "Why so blue?" Why so Something blue about? <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, get old Harper with a little levity there. Yeah. That was great. <laughs> um, you're glad to see Harper hasn't changed. You know, still still taking his shots. You know, you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take. That's true. Yeah. And, and Harper has been 100% taking those shots. He's just also 100% missing every time. So either way, it's, it's true for Harper. It's true. It is. He misses,
1: he misses 100% of the shots he takes and
0: doesn't take. Yep. You're right. So, which is kind of sad. It is sad, but it it is is sad.
1: He's also, he's also getting more and more sleazy. Yes. it seems like Very or much maybe so. it's just wearing it's, on us. It's, it's more it's, as we go.
0: It's gone past. There were a couple of scenes where it passed sleazy or inappropriate and just went straight into creepy leering. Yeah. And I wasn't exactly comfortable. Uh, I was I was feeling a little protective of Zara. But, uh, you know, Harper's going to Harper. Harper barely knew her. <laughs> <laughs> all right, moving on. Uh, civil War, it's happening, it's happening. We we got to see uh, battle recreations, and Dylan mentioned his status on terrazed right now. Uh, he can't go f- get a cure there because he's a wanted man, and so is the ship. So, yeah, wow. We we had a reference, and, and I'm yeah. I did not realize I was as relieved as I was to hear hear that, even just the little bit that we
1: got. Well, it was all we need just to reel yeah. us back into. The timeline, we know... We could take this episode and we could watch this at any point throughout the run of this series. Yeah, we could have. But that is the one thing that anchors us to this point in time. Yep. Yep. And yeah. I was glad it was there. Mm-hmm. All right, so the disease. We have this phage, this eczema, whatever it is. The phage. I like that reference.
0: <laughs> Deep cut there.
1: Uh, <laughs> so... I guess what we're given is, first of all, not much, but it is some sort of a disease that attacks the northern race, which I think we learn to not call them that anymore because they're all the same race. Um, but it, affor- it affects the northern tribe, the northern group. It does not affect the southern group so well but also that's the thing is that trance say it may not be this
0: disease but it'll
1: be something
0: yeah yeah because they're missing a component in their genetic structure to to hold off certain things yeah
1: yeah okay so we're talking about two groups of people who used to be all unified the same one group of people so what it what was it in the genetic code that was there to protect them that the northern group lost, and how is it that they breed that out of themselves, and the southern group continues to have it? I, I just want to understand the genetics of all this. How does that work? I don't this,
0: think that there's anything that's scientifically going to explain this, Ryan. There's okay. just not. Okay. This all is right, so, this is a complete contrivance that has no uh, basis in the real oh, okay. world. This is this is purely for plot. This is because okay. plot. Yeah.
1: Okay. Cuz here what what we're seeing here is Trance explains that that it's going to happen to the southern group too if they don't reunite. Yeah. But it's not going to be this well, did they say that fungus. I, I didn't get that impression yeah, at all. Yeah, that, that was really what I got. She said, you're going to get yours too. May not be this thing, but something is going to get you.
0: Yeah, well, okay. Yeah, so it may not be this thing, but I don't know. Yeah. It, it just left the door open for, it's, it's just going to keep happening. And one side's not going to stand over the bodies of the other. They're all going to end up dying from something.
1: Missing. Yeah. Okay, so this is. This is promoting biodiversity and showing how with the the larger the gene pool, then the more resistance that you're going to have to any sort of strains of viruses or whatever pathogens live yeah. on this planet. Okay. But to say that if you don't reunite, then the southern group, you're going to get yours too, whatever it happens to be that gets you. So that implies a certain a certain immunity. It implies a certain invincibility by the two gre- two groups being one, right? Because even if they are united, there's still something that can get them, right? Yeah. Even if they are still, even if they're sharing all of the biodiversity that the two groups have together and they're sharing all of those things, well, there's still something that can get them. They're going to need something from some other biodiverse group that could have protected them from this
0: thing that that they never had. Yeah, but isn't that life on Earth? Isn't that what we face day by day? Are they they going to be stronger together, (laughs) or are you you advocating that the Southerners should cloister themselves and let the Northerners die off? Is that what you're saying?
1: Well, I mean, it's six one way, half a dozen the other. They've been apart for so long, who knows what else they're carrying, that as soon as they get together, it's like the Europeans coming to the New World. Suddenly there were diseases that the natives had never seen or faced before. Yeah. So are you stronger because of the biodiversity? Maybe in time. But as soon as Dylan destroys this wall, anyone who is left from the fighting... No, all bets are off. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I mean, I, it's, I the, it. it's the reason why Earth defeated the Martians in War of the Worlds. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, given enough time, maybe if the humans and the Martians breed together, they can have enough biodiversity that they can withstand virtually any pathogen in the
0: known in, in the solar system yeah let's go let's go that far okay but as soon as they leave well there's going to be something so so what's the resolution then i mean you're pointing out the flaw of dylan's scheme of getting them back together what's the, what would be your solution leave the wall and walk away slow back away slowly from the planet and say y'all can sort this out
1: no, I think I think the the issue that I have is just with the message that the biodiversity that they're going to have by getting just these two groups together is that they're they're practically invulnerable. Because you say with with them apart, the northern group has already got this thing and the southern group is going to get another thing. Yeah. Whatever that happens to be. But if you join then all of that goes away and that's just that's not how life works that's not how biology works it's yeah. not how pathogens and viruses and
0: bacterium but it, it's better for them to be together and not oh fighting i'm not each
1: other yeah no i'm all for that i'm all for the unity and i'm all for them You're, you stopping just, the fighting you
0: just don't like carpetbaggers selling them on this idea of snake oil that's yeah. That's what you're taking exception to. Yeah, okay. what's going to well, happen 500 years from now
1: when there's some new fungal outbreak that starts eating
0: their nerves? I mean, yeah. you know? Yeah. No, I, I, I feel you. All right. Well, I, I that's what we learned. <laughs> <laughs> and Ryan took us to a negative spot. So that means it must be time to move on to okay, our next sorry. segment. <laughs> no, Ryan, uh, I do believe we have a quote for this one. You know what? We actually do. Are you ready for it? I am. Her
1: beauty shimmers with the light of a new star, but she is the other. Touch her and you will know death. And uh, so that can is... I,
0: that quote came from my father-in-law when I started dating his youngest daughter. Oh. <laughs> All right.
1: Oh, no. Who actually said that? So that was Poet Temlar. Commonwealth Year twenty one oh one. Okay, but also, so,
0: but also, my father in law. Yes.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. So I I thought that was interesting. Poet Temlar. I mean, if your name is poet, then you kind of know what you're going to be doing for the rest of your life, right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or is that just like a, a surname because he, a he title was a poet is a title. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Temlar, he was a poet and he didn't even know it. Or he yeah. did actually.
1: I think, so. I think he did. I think I everybody think did.
0: did. Yeah, they knew that from the day he was born. Yeah. So our quote, uh, it's okay. You know, it's it's a good quote. I actually like this quote a lot. Um, but, you know. I don't understand this reference, but she is the other. Is it talking, is the poet here saying that this is a person that looks beautiful, but you cannot associate with, or you should not associate with?
1: Um, I kind of feel like there's sort of a uh, Romeo and Juliet kind of thing going on. Okay, I can see that. She is of the other. So, they're the others. We don't mix with them. Capulets, Montagues, they don't
0: no, uh, uh-uh. yeah. Northern, southern, you don't, yeah, hmm. right. But they should, and that's the lesson that we are told in this episode. So when this quote ends with "Touch her, and you will know death," that seems rather counter to the message that we actually get at the end of the episode. Don't you think? It is at the end of the episode, but it is right along with the message
1: that we get at the beginning of the episode. That is true. This is this is the lesson, or this is the hurdle that they have to overcome. Yeah. I mean, we don't know if they ever do, because Dylan flew off. Yeah, we're not coming back here. Right. Yeah. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, this world never made peace. Yeah. <laughs> Because I didn't and see even, it,
0: and even if they did make peace, they all died of lung cancer, as we've already exactly. established. So
1: exactly, yeah. And if they didn't die of that, then they died of a, a fungal invasion 500 years later. Yeah. But, but
0: uh, uh, a good quote, nonetheless. We we do agree on that. Uh, it definitely makes the point that we are introduced to at the beginning of the episode. Yeah, mm-hmm. very good. All right. Well, uh, Ryan, we've we've discussed. The things that we observed about the show, we've discussed what we've learned about the show, we've considered the quote, and now it is time for us to put our stamp on this episode. The others. Ryan, what did you think about this episode? Oh,
1: you know, where there were things. There were things. There were things that were good. There were things that were
0: bad. Um, it was the best of times. <laughs> it was the worst of times.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know... I feel like from the beginning I knew where this was going to go because I've watched enough Star Trek to know how this was going to end. I mean, it. this is sort of a retelling of Let That Be Your Last Battlefield, Um, just with a slightly different take and a little less completely obvious, I think. But also, you've seen it before, so you kind of know where this is going to go. Um. Yeah, I have, I've got a few issues with some of the things as far as the explanation of the disease and how it came about. Um, I would like to have seen that fleshed out a little bit more in a, a more scientific and logical way. Because I'm just not buying what they're selling to me on that. Um, I make fun of the wall. I tease that. But I'm just joking around. You know... I think there are some some real issues with uh, going forward. Where where do we leave this episode, and what's going to happen next? I'd like to be able to have some sort of resolution, some sort of answer, and I don't feel like we got that at all. Up to that point, even though I feel like I've seen this episode before because I've seen this story play out, um. I thought they did a pretty good job of, you know, you talk about earlier the bonk-bonk-on-the-head messages, and they did a pretty good job to me of, of still being able to deliver that story with that message of why are we still doing this, and you're able to see it play out in the faces and the emotions of these people, and, and you feel, I did, I felt for them. I'm like, why are we still doing this? Neither side understands how this war started. Neither of them understands or knows why they're continuing to do it, except that the other side keeps doing it, so we got to keep fighting too. Otherwise, we're all going to die. That is a tragic story that plays out in real life, Continually. Over and over and over again. And now we've seen it's happening on this planet over thousands of years. That's that's a story that resonates with me because, because it's real. So, you know, we can say, yeah, it's a little bonk-bonk on the head. But like we said before, maybe you gotta be because people aren't getting it still. Um, Toward the end, as far as the idea of hate being the problem and love being the solution, that's great. That's great to say that, but also we didn't get to see what happened. We don't know if that love did take over. Honestly, I suspect that it didn't. I am mortified to imagine what happened as soon as the end credits started rolling. Yeah. So, I'm kind of on the not kind of I'm really on the fence on this episode because through the episode I enjoyed what was happening. I was entertained, I was moved, but then when the screen went black, I was like what what happened? I'm not satisfied.
0: Uh, Had they not had had the scene with the doors closing and the two going at each other's throats immediately again, if that were not in the episode, would you feel more positive about the end credit sequence rolling?
1: Absolutely, because these are Locke and Zara are kind of portrayed as the leaders of each respective side. Mm -hmm. And so if you can see them as the doors close and they're looking at each other saying oof, this is tough, but I get it. Then you can come away with the idea of they're going to go back planet side, and they're going to talk with their people, they're going to get them together, they're going to have some meetings, they're going to work out some treaties. Something's going to happen positive. But that's also part of the issue with that scene as the door's closing. I feel like it was played for comic effect, too. Because it was kind of like a, a Three Stooges style fight, you know, they just went at it went right at each other's necks, you know. It's not like these are these are fighters; these are very skilled fighters. They're warriors, and they play this very, cartoony kind of a kind of a fight, and so that's why I feel that it was played for comedy, which has it 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 has drastic implications for what actually happens next because they didn't take that moment seriously.
0: All right. Well, uh, where you went to let this be your last battlefield. I would be your last, battlefield. let that be. Yeah. Sorry. Let that be your yeah. last battlefield. I went this, to a, that.
1: <laughs> gotcha. Yeah.
0: Not this, the other, <laughs> there you go. Uh, I went this, to a different episode. And the other. Yeah, yeah. I went to a different episode of star Trek. I went to Up the Long Ladder, the Irish episode, mm, the mm-hmm. colonists that were yeah, uh, the one colony that was genetically not diverse enough, mm-hmm. and the Irish colony, which was plenty diverse, probably not even with just human DNA, as <laughs> oh. sadly it was <laughs> insinuated. Um, I went there because that's what this episode reminded me of. And I I think you've you've nailed it. This is a very, this is not Star Trek. (laughs) And it's not trying to be. I'm not saying it's trying to be. I'm just saying that where I see things that Star Trek has done in the past, and I see it being done in this episode, that one scene where they go at each other after Dylan has given the Kirk speech... And you see the doors closing and they're fighting each other. Yeah, it it totally deflates all the good that has been ramped and built up in this episode. And that's kind of sad because it does. It does turn this entire episode from a positive, a potential positive to a negative. And then on top of it, like you mentioned, Dylan goes over the top with his heavy handedness. In giving them a air quotes head start uh, when in fact all he has done is stirred the pot and made the situation just that much more difficult for them to uh, take take a step back realize where they're at what they need to do and then form a plan. Now they're having to react to some outsider blowing up the thing that was keeping them separate. Um, The thing that was keeping them from just eradicating each other. Now that's gone. And if, and if they can take a step back from that, cool. But there's also ecological impacts (laughs) that they're going to be fighting for, for decades after that as well. And yeah, you know, this, I didn't, I actually was kind of high, not high. It's the. this episode suffers from its production issues, and we—I think—we're at a point now where we're not even talking about those anymore. Are there ways in which this could be done better? Yeah, but it would require you know, several more rewrites of the drafts, mm-hmm. and uh, we're, just, we're just not doing that now at this point. I
1: was going—I was just—I yeah, didn't even realize we really didn't do any production jokes, did we? No,
0: we really didn't, and they're—they're <laughs> they're there to be picked apart. But yeah, it's—it's it's tired. I'm tired of that. <laughs> <laughs> And so we laugh and we laugh and we move on to what does the what does this episode am I happy when I finish this episode or am I not happy when I finish this episode? And I think, yeah, I have to come down where you're at is the, is the the end credits roll and it's like, wow, our crew didn't really do these people right. and so I'm therefore not really I'm not positive about where they're where they're headed. And uh, for that reason, I mean, this is a, this is a good episode and there's a lot of good sci-fi elements that are here, but in the end, you can't be happy when this episode finishes. And so I, you know, I'm not putting a rating or anything on it, but, uh, will I watch this episode again? I could, I could watch it again, but you know, I'm not going to seek it out if I'm doing a rewatch of Andromeda. I might just go ahead and skip the others. So, that's what I thought. Ryan, you've given us your your impressions. Why don't you take us out here?
1: Well, if any of our listeners would like to let us know what they thought, Ethan, how could they get a hold of us?
0: Oh, they can do so by sending us an email to drivebackthenightpodcast at gmail.com. That's right, they can also find us on
1: Facebook and Twitter using the handle at AndromedaPod on both of those social media sites. We're on Podbean, that's where you will find our entire catalog of Drive Back the Night in Andromeda Series podcast. And uh, while you're visiting there, if you should feel so inclined, we do have a tip jar if you'd like to contribute
0: to the cause. And thank you to our new associate producers that have contributed to the show in recent months. We definitely appreciate that support in keeping the lights on at this here podcast. Uh, listen to us on Spotify. Listen to us on Apple uh, Podcasts. And in both of those locations now, you can give star ratings and reviews. And so we certainly appreciate those because they do help others to find this podcast.
1: Good thanks to our big friend, Doug Anderson, for lending us his voice once again for the opening credit of this episode, as he always does. We are an Age of Geek production, and we hope that you will join us again next time as we examine the episode, Fear Burns Down to Ashes. I muted myself on Zoom. That way I can still keep recording myself and you can't hear me live. But I'm going to see if you catch it and edit it out. If not... <laughs>